0: I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me.
1: Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee! I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess fucking can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, bro. John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy can't let me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> I hope you guys you come ready. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of the WOCast. Joining me as usual, my sister from another mister, it's G. What's going on, G?
0: Ain't nothing much. Still excited from UFC 262.
1: Maybe? What a card that was. Just like you, I am... Excited, charged, refreshed, and revitalized. Mm-hmm. Um, what set me off last night, or what actually set me up, I would say, for an incredible night of fights, was the spaces that we held with Mark Casey, Brendan Loftname, and Larone Murphy. How well attended was that? It was incredibly good fun. Well, didn't you think so? Oh yeah, I had a blast. It was. It's really fun to interact actually in
0: real time with fighters, and also to hear like fellow fans get to have a crack at them as well
1: and that's what i was saying last night i mean really for me that is the kind of main point of having spaces so that everybody gets a chance to have a conversation it's not just listening um to us talking to guests it's for you know i suppose the crowd those assembled those in the audience to get involved too yeah
0: yeah exactly but um how you feeling about the guy that showed up and just started playing music out of nowhere
1: mike (laughs) I, I I didn't appreciate the music. He could have come and blasted some R and B or some hip hop. I don't know what that was. That sounded like some medieval or even kind of like French Spanish hybrid music. It was weird.
0: Yeah. When I did a Spaces Later mic, I had a lot of drunk people showing up and just literally when you gave them the mic, they started screaming. So <laughs> screaming. Well, people that were on yeah.
1: the timeline.
0: Um. Yeah, kind of, sort of But definitely there were some new people in there And they're like, I'm drunk And then you just had to wow. snatch their fucking mic Yeah, like It gets pretty interesting But your format to like have fans Interact with the fighters Is hella cool And I like the questions that they ask too Like, I'm learning as so. well yeah. yeah, exactly Exactly
1: Right, well, let's crack on with Basically, what was a weekend of what UFC 262? A incredible card. I suppose, you know, of late we've been having kind of like a mixed bag in terms of what's been going on and what's been um, assembled for our viewing pleasure. I think that this was one of the best cards of recent months. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Yeah, I had a really, really good time
1: from the early prelims to
0: just the entire card. I was uh, pretty content, it was entertaining.
1: Well, in the time-honoured fashion, we're going to kick off with the prelims. And again, it's a free-flowing discussion, no set format this week, as usual. It's a conversation of sorts. And um, I'm going to be the gentleman that I am. And um, as we are at the prelims, um, what were your conversational points or what will be the first conversational point that you start with um, whilst I queue up mine?
0: Um, the women's flyweight bout with the standing TKO stoppage in round two with Priscilla Cachoeira and Gina Mizami. My God, I love this fight because Gina came out strong, Mike, but she started to get tired and Priscilla just wanted this fight a bit more. And in the second round, she unleashed on her and just kept beating her up and Gina could not take it anymore. And I even believe at some point Gina like made eye contact with the ref and she looked like. She was given up, you know, like she just could not take it. And Priscilla pieced her up at the right time. And it was a beautiful stoppage and a nice comeback performance too, as well.
1: Yeah, well, for me, I would say it would be, well, the the, the Brit abroad for the mm. night was Mike Grundy versus Lando Venata. And going back to Spaces, I love the way in which Mark Diocchese, who fought Lando Venata, basically gave him the winning formula, the keys to, you know, actually defeating him. And, you know, it did rely a lot on wrestling. I mean, that was Mark's tip. Look, make it really wrestling heavy. And to his credit, that's what Mike Grundy tried to do. For me, I thought that Mike Grundy threw the harder shots. But it was Venata who was really about the volume. I mean, in terms of work rate, he was really going hell for leather in there. Plus, his takedown defense was absolutely exquisite.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, kudos to both men because they both were kind of landing shots and I saw some improvement in, in Grundy's hands I saw him land some hard significant counters on Venada and of course Venada I believe was out striking him but yeah I like the fact that when Venada gets taken down he gets up there's no fighting off his back there's no it's it's strictly business he gets back up and he goes right back to being offensive and I really appreciate it that about him you know and i think we need to take notice that that was his featherweight debut yeah yeah so that was pretty interesting and with that being said i think he looked pretty
1: good at featherweight so let's see how he does in this uh new weight class mike i'm excited He did have a lot to say because, um, unfortunately, again, the judges scorecards were just atrocious. And um, I think he made made a, a really good point. And that is, you know, these judges, they're not the ones who are actually going home with, you know, an egregious decision. They're not the ones who are actually living with this in their career. They really do need to possibly, you know, look at getting judges who actually know what they're looking at, know what they're scoring. He made a really good point in the post fight um, press conference,
0: and I, I'm very happy that he is one of the many voices that are bringing this to the table. Dominic Cruz is another voice, Mike, that is just always saying, "Like, what are, what's up with these judges?" Yeah, and I think we need to continue to say that before one of these judges messes up a huge fight, whether it's a champ champ fight, some super fight, or John Jones at heavyweight. Wait until they ruin a very obvious important fight. Why why not be preventative? Why not address this issue now before that happens, Mike? Because I think it's gonna happen, to be honest with you. They're gonna fuck up a really like important fight for us, the athlete, and it's gonna be a scandal.
1: Mm. I- I've got to admit, though. I mean, egregious judging aside. And um, that didn't spoil the fact that this was uh, a nice little war, And considering we are still on the prelim portion of the card, I quite yep. liked the fight. Pretty decent.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I enjoyed these prelims and I liked, um, like I said, I liked Mike Grundy's hands and I liked Lando's tenacity. And he was debuting in a new weight class and he kind of made it look smooth. Even though, you know, it was a back and forth fight, I didn't see any issues with him being at featherweight. You know what I mean?
1: yeah. No, this is—it's definitely um, worked out well for him. The fact that you know mm-hmm. he did have a, um, well, a, a weight category change. So, next up, where are you going to next on the on the prelim card? What else um, is noteworthy? Well, Mike,
0: I'm gonna start with a question.
1: Mm. How
0: do you feel about the Shevchenko sister and? people comparing her to her sister and being disappointed like she doesn't fight like Valentina.
1: What are your thoughts on that? Well, you think that genetics and you think that um, the ferocious way in um, which, you know, Valentina Shevchenko fights, you would think that, you know, this would be a common trait throughout the family, mom, dad, uncle, aunt, sister, would have the same kind of, um, you know, ferocity, but I can understand where people are coming from because they've got this romanticized idea that this runs in the family. Obviously it clearly does not. Yeah.
0: I just feel like though people need like a reality check like this, she's older than Valentina. I believe she's like 36 or 34. She had a whole ass career before, you know, joining the UFC and she started fighting at like age three or some shit. I think I heard. So like, I don't really expect her to be like Valentina and I don't think fans should be so hard on her, but, I will say this: I did pick in Andrea Lee to win this fight because oh, she has did? a style. Yes, she has a style, Mike, to beat this woman, and and it was what we saw. Like it's, she made it gritty. She stayed in her face. She came straight at her, and she knew to take her to the ground. She knew to make this fight ugly. You don't stand and bang with a Shenko sister, no matter who it is, because <laughs> yeah. her her striking is pretty good, regardless of
1: how you feel about her. And Tony, she can strike. Yeah, that was a, a sick sub. But in breaking all of this down, we, we all have, mm-hmm. have to be reminded that, you know, this is Antonia Shyshenko, not Valentina Shyshenko. So let's not yep. get it twisted.
0: No, I'm, no way to get it twisted. But I'm also going to not act like she don't have hands or that she's not out here fighting. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have yeah. respect for her, even though she's not you know, Valentina Shevchenko. I think she's like her own fighter in her own right. But I do think Andrea Lee has the style to beat her. And that's what we saw. But I remember like thinking, oh, why is she having trouble with the with the arm bar and the triangle? But I was happy she finally pulled it off in round two. And it looked pretty painful.
1: Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. Well, I, I know, <clears throat> excuse me, I know it's been, <clears throat> excuse me. I know it has been a while since, you know, you, you've rolled, but you know, when you were casting your mind back in, when you were rolling in the, in the gym, where you a, <laughs> were, where you were tap or um, I'm going to, I'm going to hold out until almost snap type of girl.
0: No, I tap. I'm not even going to front. Like nobody's training <laughs> to be a fighter. And also like when I did roll with, I always rolled with guys and just to have a man's forearm on my, You know, like before I, the breathing could stop, I just felt the pain, the pressure of some of the submissions. Yeah. And I just like was, I'm good on your, like a really fat guy or a big guy's forearm on my fucking neck. Like that shit hurts, but it's fun. You know, I haven't done it in a while and I'd love to get back into it. And, but
1: mm -mm, I'll tap, no problem. Nah, same. I mean, in all honesty, my rule of thumb was if you're choking me out, okay, choke me out. But if you're trying to break my limb, if you're trying to, you know, Kimura and flip in, you know, take take my arm off now, forget that I'm tapping straight away.
0: Yeah. You can get injured if you want to fuck around. People get injured in the gym all the time, especially if you notice like when people go too hard in sparring and stuff yeah. like that. So I'm sure in jujitsu, there's people that you have to be like, calm down. You didn't have to try to break my arm.
1: Yeah. Well, in, in terms of like interests on this card again, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a frog in my throat for some reason. Right, what's going that. on? <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is: late nights, late nights, and too much talking on Spaces, Spaces, and Oh my thing. god, that I'm exhausted, my, <laughs> my. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pretty exhausted. I was up to like three a.m. talking about this card on Spaces. It was nice. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> excuse me. What are we gonna do about Jack and Caesar? Um, Andre uh, <laughs> Andre uh, Muniz really and truly we shouldn't have been seeing a- another loss and if i remember rightly now this is his fourth loss in a row there's no way he's coming back from this he's not getting the dana white privilege here is he
0: i don't think so and and <laughs> not only is he not going to get the dana white privilege when when a fighter can no longer gatekeep what exactly do you do with
1: them yeah
0: like what what do you do with cowboy what do you do with you know jacare jacare is what like 41 42 and got his arm broken by a a newcomer making his debut his ufc debut like wow things have changed Mm. but who do you match him up with mike you have any ideas or are you stuck like me
1: uh, I, I'm not stuck with it. I'm not stuck at all in terms of what mm. we do with Souza now. This is four losses in a row. You give him his marching papers. You give him his <laughs> orders. You give him his people to divide his pink slip because I like the fact that there is this kind of um, views that These legends, these people who we have a romanticized view and romanticized memory of, we should keep going with them, i.e. Cowboy Cerrone. But how many times are we going to see these people lose? How many times are we going to have the so-called brand of the UFC sullied in that it's supposed to be the ultimate proving ground? Well, it's not the ultimate proving ground if you've got somebody in the organization who is four losses deep, when you've cut people for less. Exactly. And uh,
0: it's it's why I don't want to see Nick Diaz come back
1: as well. Like,
0: I do not want to see fighters that are just not at the top anymore or washed getting beat the fuck up. Like, I just don't want to see it. And also, some of them are looking really slow. So you already know it's not going to be a competitive fight. No bullshit, Mike. Diego Sanchez versus Cowboy was the only fight left for him, if you ask me. That was discussed last night in Spaces in Detail, by the way. Like, that fight was perfect. That was the only fight where he would probably look really great in because Diego was equally or maybe far worse in shape than him. Yeah. Now, outside of that, who does Cowboy fight? Nobody. But, Mike, you know these fighters don't like to go out on Ls. They're, they're very, you know, they they're, they're, they're serious about their legacy. So sometimes it's not up to us, Mike, even though the fans are like, we don't want to see it.
1: Oh, 100%. That's why, you know, me and you have this motto that, you know, it's not down to us to actually tell them when to quit. But yeah, there are there are certain fighters now who possibly do need to be having that conversation with their families. But it's on them, basically, is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. And Cowboy is talking about he's not leaving on the L like that.
1: Mm -hmm. He already said it.
0: He's getting one more fight because he just can't end his career like that. And can you really blame him for that? But at the same time, you don't want to see it. And if Jacare doesn't want to fight again, I'm fine with it. Did you see his arm swinging? Like? Yeah. Did you see it? It was horrible. Did, yeah. Did you hear it? No. Oh, I heard it. Like it. It, it was awful. Like, and then they kept showing the replay. And like, like <laughs> the worst part about it is that Jacare was just acting like it was just another day. You know, he walked over to his opponent with his dangly arm and <laughs> just congratulated me while I'm at home, like, cringe.
1: That is shock in action there. Has to yeah. be. Adrenaline, yeah. I mean, really truly, <laughs> When the adrenaline wears off, he's going to be feeling that. Come on now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm not
0: joking, Mike, you saw him. He walked over to New and was like, great fight. And I'm sitting there like, get in the hell out of there. Is there a gurney? Like his arm is separated. Like, oh, they're so tough, Mike.
1: Unreal. <laughs> Speaking of tough, um, mm-hmm. 16,000 people toughed it out and uh, were in attendance. Are you like me a little bit kind of, well, apprehensive about the whole big crowd experience especially 16,000 people in close proximity I mean it looked as though there was hardly an empty seat in that arena
0: um not just that there wasn't an empty seat I didn't see people wearing masks like if everyone in there wore masks I would be like they're trying or like this is how you content you know this is how you kind of try to live life with COVID and and you know People are taking risks, but everyone's wearing a mask. They're being smart. Last night, I didn't see anyone with a mask from UFC fighters to just regular, regular fans. And I was just thinking, like, y'all don't have COVID in this state? Like, y'all not worried about bringing this home to grandma or no one is worried about bringing home this disease that can take out the immune compromise, which could be your grandma and your parents. (laughs) It's it's bizarre, but Um,
1: what did you think, Mike? Well, that's what I'm saying. I was slightly worried, slightly concerned because your whole president was saying, okay, it's um, <laughs> up to you if you wear it. No, actually, no, it was Danny White who was saying it's up to you who uh, chooses to wear a mask and basically looking around, panning around the camera, uh, panning around anyway, it looked like nobody was wearing a mask. But your whole president, speaking of, of of presidents, is actually saying that those who've been vaccinated don't need to to wear a mask. So Really and truly, uh, I think that's sending a a pretty clear message out that basically masks are no longer kind of um, the the rigueur and uh, no longer required and no longer, you know, mandatory in certain situations.
0: I I just think like it is redundant and I just feel like to each his own. You know, everybody's on their own. If you want to trust the CDC and the government, the same people that didn't know what was going on, didn't know how to handle this and fucked it up. If you want to believe the same agency that, you know, told us masks didn't work, but, oh yes, they do. That's that's on you. Like Mm -hmm. I'm fully vaccinated I still wear a mask because I just, I don't trust what's going on. I don't trust that the government has our best interests. I think their best interest is that we go back to work and fuel the, you know, the machine, the capitalist machine. So I don't trust them to keep us safe and I don't think people really know what's going on. So until things are clear, I'm wearing a mask, but Mike, guess what? I'm mm. fully vaccinated. And if the UFC does Correct. come to, to, thank you. If the UFC does come back to New York, I'm going, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be the one person in the mask, <laughs> <laughs> actually too, and have hand sanitizer and be like so trying my best to socially distance. But I think I'm ready to go to a fight. The fans got me
1: hyped, bro. I'm not going to lie. As you heard in Spaces uh, yesterday, not naming any names, but um, a few of those uh, athletes will be on the August 14th card in London. um, UFC London does look as though it's taking shape. And um, I'm not going to lie. I am not running out there to be part of the whole crowd experience because I'm just kind of like thinking to myself, why the rush? Why right. the speedy and hasty return for something which I can actually, from the uh, pleasure of my sofa view? The pre fight build up, yes, in terms of fight uh-huh. week, I'm all into that because you're not talking about um, 10, 20,000 people in, in, well, congregating in one space. With right. Media Week, there are a few media outlets who actually rock up and you speak to the fighters pre fight. That has interest for me. The whole fight night experience, rocking up and speaking to athletes and post fight interviews, I'm not so keen on anyway. So I think I might give the whole fight night um, media experience a miss when it rolls around in London. Interesting.
0: I mean, Mike, I feel comfortable going to New York um, events, not just because I'm fully vaccinated, but also I live in New York where by the time the UFC can throw an event, in New York, it's probably mm-hmm. going to be safe like New York doesn't play with COVID. You know, in fact, people are fully vaccinated here, but people like myself, like we still wear a mask. Like a lot of people in New York are vaccinated and still being cautious. So if you have an event here, I don't think New York is going to let Dana, you know, <laughs> let him do his fucking, you know, fuck shit when it comes to COVID protocols or whatever. Like it's, it's you have to wear a mask here. So. When the UFC comes back here, I'm going to feel a little bit safer, but I completely understand
1: why you would have trepidations. Yeah. Before we move away from the prelims, any more that you want to shout out or are you on the main card now?
0: Uh, I'm sure those, those prelims were straight fire. Let me take a, let me take a good look. Shout out to Jordan Wright for overwhelming Jamie Pickett and beating his ass. That was, if you had not oh, seen that wow. fight.
1: I saw it. yes Ferocious. But it was ferocious, a right? It was it's like yeah, when it was... you had your brother in your, in your uh, boxer shorts drawer.
0: He <laughs> gave him a no, I... Oh, last night I was like, oh, this looks like a robbery gone bad. <laughs> like, this is a crime. Like, it really did look like he wanted the dude's cell phone. He didn't give it up. He beat the yeah. shit out of him for it. You know what I'm saying? So if anybody likes that type of violence in a sport, go ahead and watch Jordan Wright versus <laughs> Jamie Pickett. But after that, I'm good, mate. You
1: ready for the main card? Yep, makes sense. So kicking things off with Shane Burgos and Edson Barbosa. What a fight. And you know what? What really does surprise me, what really, um, well, brings a smile to my face, is that Barbosa can still go in there with all these spinning attacks, techniques, And people still get caught. They've seen tape. They've seen what he does. They know how he rolls, but they still get slapped in the face with a spinning technique. I love this fight.
0: Oh, this fight was just everything we thought it would be. Like we both knew that none of these men were going to cower to each other. There was going to be no feeling out process. And on top of that, I wasn't thinking that Shane was going to try to wrestle with him, even though I thought like you might want to try. It's Edson Barboza. You don't want to give him the range to kick your ass all night. And I think that's what happened is that Edson was just the better striker and was landing on him, but Shane was staying in his face. But
1: Look what did what you that think?
0: Did. <laughs> I mean, the, the the right hand that came over the top that just turned Shane Burgos's face to the side and then uh-huh. caused him to pass out.
1: Yeah, I, I was Wait.
0: like, he fainted. I thought he fainted. Like, he passed out from a punch. It was just a delayed reaction. That's what I thought
1: I saw. And Before you even just, get there, those were yeah. endless low kicks. Man, I'd pass out from those because they were savage <laughs> over and over in the same spot as well. And then when he'd done with that, he was just switching it up. But no, I mean, if we want to fast forward then to, you know, that was a bit of a weird ending. It, You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Bruce Lee's one-inch punch because... It it's, it's not as though he even touched him when he, he um, saw that and got that reaction. It was a delayed reaction from a previous blow. It was, I've never seen anything like that, to be honest with you. I mean, um, it, it almost as though there was an invisible hand coming over the top or a straight right or something which uh, elicited that reaction. But it's obviously accumulation of, of damage which he took. Oh, yeah, it, most definitely. And I, I said in Twitter spaces, he's too tough his
0: own fucking good he (laughs) saw the punch he ate it and was like let's go but his body was like take a seat yeah and that's to me yeah that's what happened he's just shane burgos is that fucking tough that he ignored his body's response until like the body was like you can sit down and 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 it was just amazing to see but kudos to both men for bringing it i really enjoyed the fight and it was just a it was just so much fun and exactly what i expected But I would say, like, I want Shane Burgos to work, like, on his defense. I don't want to see him take damage like this and be passing out in the ring. Mm. And I want him to just keep coming forward. But I want him to work on being more defensively sound. Like, stop coming forward and eating so many shots in the process of you coming to fuck him up. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's worrisome, especially seeing him faint, but... What else is out there, Mike? What, what's, uh, what'd you think of Caitlin Shikagian, who was on my shit list, by Vivian. the way, and
1: Vivian? Well, <laughs> yeah, what'd you well, think? I have to say, she's not on my shit list because um, those bookmarks of hers, or sorry, those likes of her, <laughs> serious bookmarks for me, man. Like, I'm not complaining. I'm not one of these people out here uh, clowning her for it. I'm commending her. I just wish, I, I wished if it wasn't a hat job. I wished if she'd just embrace it and say, look, I'm into black. I like this type of shit. And you should too. Spread the love. Black Lives Matter. <laughs> oh
0: the, the listen, the black pornography did not bother me
1: at all. In fact,
0: I was secretly like, I need to follow these accounts, but never hit like so that I'm not out here like Caitlyn the Shikagian. But the <laughs> only <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed her taste and porn. But The only thing I didn't like was that when fans dug up her old racist tweets or her kind of making fun of black people, I was kind of like the fun ended. I was like disheartened. But the initial porn tweet and the scandal online was so much fun and not for nothing, Caitlyn fought a Caitlyn Chicagian fight. In the first round, she struggled with Viviana. I, Viviana was landing on her. She was trusting her boxing. She looked really good. And she had the cardio in the first round. But Caitlin ate some hard shots. But second round and third round, she created that distance she needed and started to outwork Vivian. And Vivian's cardio started to deplete. So regardless of how I feel about her or anybody else or what she watches, Mike, she had a complete typical Caitlin performance and got the W.
1: Yeah I love the way in which you're right in the um or in round 2 she was revved up uh, mm-hmm. at the end of round 1 in her corner when they were t- calling for her look bring that bad bitch energy damn that word those words obviously connected with her in a certain way because she brought that she bought that, definitely. Well, this, you know what, before we kind of like move on, did you think it was mm-hmm. kind of weird that the truck was a kind of like instructing Joe and, and the rest of the team to have a look at the fact that hey, it looked like um, Caitlin Chikagan tapped? Because even in real time, it didn't look like she was tapping. So I just wondered what the truck saw.
0: I think initially I was like, oh, did she tap? But then I was like, no, she did not tap. Like it's, I think initially it's okay to say that, but especially after you watch the replays, it was just her hand moving in that motion. Like she's just, she's just moving, she's fidgeting. She's moving around. It wasn't It wasn't like the Verdum tap that we saw in PFL. That was a tap and dude yeah. kept fighting. Caitlin Chikagan, um did not tap.
1: She was just being awkward in an uncomfortable position and her arms were frailing, that's it. I don't think enough was said on the commentary and believe it or not, I was listening to the commentary for once mm-hmm. in my life up. Not a lot was said about um, the range and the fact that she was using that with kind of like precision. I think a lot of taller fighters, I don't know why, don't choose to use their range. She was really, really um, notching up in terms of strikes, in terms of, um, well, damage that she was able to implement because of her range. And it was good to see it used. Yeah, it was good to see it used. But Mike, me and you are purists. So we're calling out things that we
0: see are beautifully done. But this is the entertainment business. She has, like, what, how many decision wins in her career? Yeah. Like, you know, if she wants to get to the next level, she wants whatever she wants out of her career. She might want to start knocking people out or going for, like, a finish or training for the finish now. Like, you might want to switch that up. But even but it's like, how? why switch things up when she's winning? I can also see why the gym, if they heard me talking right now, like, she's winning. Why would we change anything? So I get it, too. But I worry that she's not exciting and fans and Dana are just not really tripping off her.
1: Yeah, I hear you. You know, just circling back to when you were saying those egregious tweets, when you were talking about the fact that these are things that she said in the past, these are things mm-hmm. that we now unearthed. We're talking about like what, from 2012. Okay, I've got a quick question for you. How, mm-hmm. or is there a statute of limitation? Is there a time period where you can go back and you, you can say, ah, you were young or, It was uh well 10 years ago. Is there a time period where people wait, they get a they get a pass? We kind of like leave them um to their 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 youth and folly. Or are we binding these people to their tweets, to their past statements for life? It doesn't matter when you said nigger or when you said um any egregious statement, we're gonna hold you to that. Where do you stand?
0: I think people need to be held accountable for these things, but I think let people express themselves, explain themselves truthfully or not. And we go from there. I I have no problem with someone addressing some old tweets, but I'm also not the type of person that throws them away because they made a mistake or like. A lot of times when I'm online, Mike, I'll be like, wow, that was racist. And instead of that person focusing on why I said that, they're more focused on that word and being labeled that way. And yeah. I think if everybody just stopped, worried, stopped worrying about the label, cancel culture, woke, and you know, being called racist and really just thought about why you're being called that or what's going on, we would be better off. There's nothing wrong with Caitlyn addressing that, whether she was hacked or whether she was like, y'all, I was young loving the culture, and I went too far, my apologies. I'm fine with that.
1: But you see, I, I think I think we've kind of like touched on this in a different format, and in a, I suppose a different question before, but mm. you why know, she has embraced the culture. So is it not okay? I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here because I, I just want to... Please. please, no. I want to yeah. see your view on this. But isn't it okay if you are embracing the culture, which makes you part of the culture, to actually use words which are quote unquote part of the culture. No, because you don't respect the culture. It's like it's like I understand
0: you respect the culture, but also respect the fact that the culture you are consuming are people, black people, whatever it is, you have to respect the originators of the culture. You cannot just talk like us, dress like us, use our racial slurs that you gave to us and we tried to own and now throw it back in our faces. Stop dressing up like black people. These are the issues. And that's the issue that I had with her tweets. Black daddies, n-word this, that, that, that. And it's just like, bro, like, sis, stop making fun of black people. Or do you have a fetish? And then you come out to DMX. You come out to a song, by the way, that is clearly for the hood. And not just for the hood. It's rough. It's violent. And it's a homo- it has homophobic lyrics. lines in it. Right. And I like the song, but whenever the homophobia comes on, I put my head in shame, but I like the beat. I like the song. But do you see the pattern? Black daddies online joking about black people. She used the N word. She comes out to DMX. But something tells me, does she support Black Lives Matter? Was she one of those people that was like, protesters don't need to break things or whatever? Or does she sympathize with black people? Or does she just like the culture? Yeah. Now that's when I have a problem. And that's why athletes, when you're in this position, like when Cody Garbrandt says the N word and people get upset, it is your responsibility to be a good person and to address that because you have black fans, you have white fans that are also offended that you use that word, address them and take responsibility or come up with a good-ass lie to get us to shut the fuck up, but address the word. You know what I'm saying? Like, address yeah. it. Because what you do, Mike, when you address it is that you humanize your Black fans. You humanize Black people. For Caitlin to just have all this Black porn, Black daddy, N-word this, and not say shit about the, um, the fact that this is all about race, bothers me. Humanize it, sis, and you have Black fans. Address them.
1: To be fair, um, I think it was Oscar Willis from the Mac Life who raised the whole black porn issue with her. And you know, she was really adamant that she had been hacked. And um, she was saying, you know, some of the telltale signs were, you know, the likes were like consistently um, on those type of sites. Now, if it had been her, think about it, there'd be other likes as well. But it was like like after like after like, yeah, after the consistency, yes, yeah, Plus, Similarly, with the people that she was following, it was like, you know, follow after follow after follow of porn sites. So well,
0: well, I think well yeah, go ahead. An
1: element of hacking um, in this, but, you know, who's, but, who can tell, really? But, you know, hacking, though,
0: is sometimes the company that you hired to curate and run your account fucked yeah. up. Yeah. So that's what hacking is like. I don't want people to think that hacking is like a fan got her password and was like, that's it. I'm Caitlin Chikagian. No, the fucking idiot that they hired to run her account uh, forgot to log out and probably used her shit to just watch a bunch of porn or like he did it (laughs) on purpose. Like this is how you're going to get some clout. You never know. Like it could be it's hack means whoever the fuck is in charge, whether it's Ali or a company you hired for engagement, fucked up. (laughs) <laughs> and that sounds believable Because if it's not believable Caitlin and her husband like to watch black porn at night And I think it's kind of cool Because we all like black porn I think
1: <laughs> Okay it Gets a thumbs up from me it Gets the 10 card from me But moving on um, Who's next Regiro Bonterin And um, Matthew uh...
0: Fill me in on this one Mike I missed this one
1: that was in and out of this fight. Now, if I'm right, this was at uh, Bantamweight. Now, for me, <laughs> man, this was supposedly um, Texas's own match now. Now, match now. Um, came out to a rapturous applaud. I mean, I thought he was gonna get hometown advantage here because um obviously when Rogero Bontarin presented himself, he wasn't greeted with as much um with as much pop from the crowd. And and obviously, mm. you know it, it being texas own you'd expect that but damn right well, talk about the tables have turned he really and this is bonding, he really piled on the calf kicks savage calf kicks yeah really, really like heavy and then um, not only was like the calf kicks in effect but for me it was like in the third when you know, mm-hmm. he piled on the left the right the left the right straight after each other then a flying knee on top of that damn there was no way I did see that yes that, that was an incredible combination so yeah for me um I don't know that there, 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 there's, there's only one way to actually look at this and that I do feel as though um Schnell thought he would have the hometown advantage he was buoyed by the fact that he would have his his crowd behind him and uh misjudged that because what you Bontoing or Bontorin, is, that, is that savage?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I was in and out of that fight, but I saw the ferociousness of his kicks and I saw the flying knee and I was like, holy shit, I got to go back and watch this fight. However, this makes me think about what Lerone Murphy said in your spaces yesterday. Remember I asked him, I was like, are you ready to be booed as a black man and for the USA chance if, when you fight in America again? Because yeah. it's going to happen and it might even be in Texas or Florida, which means you going to get booed. And he was like, I love it. So maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like, Rogero, you know, turning the tides and coming in, like, uh, hostile territory, it probably fueled him for that performance, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking stuff like that might scare a fighter, but you know why I'm thinking that? I'm not a professional fighter. Professional fighter, on the other hand, is like, oh, I love that shit. Chant that USA shit so I can beat your man in front of your country. You know what I mean? Like... So perhaps that's what we saw last night, but but this is why p- folks need to jump into your Twitter spaces, Mike, because you see
1: like how I have like some inside scoop on LaRon. Like Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it is a beautiful way of getting unadulterated facts, mm-hmm. but, you know, not that I'm going to be sharing the stuff which should stay in spaces because it's that type of environment. You do get like an inside track as to what's coming down the pipe, possibly for yeah. as well.
0: Yeah, because what he said directly relates, I think, to Rosario's performance. I yeah. mean, he took the energy of the crowd, he flipped it, and then he went with it, and the crowd then started to like him. Why? Because he stole the momentum and he was doing the work. That's dope, you know? Yeah. And, like I'm starting to realize fighters prefer fans. I think it's the fans at home and the purists that like the no fans, but, like, fighters are so happy to come back to fans.
1: You're right. I mean the media at home as well particularly you know people like myself i loved hearing the corner in me to- too i loved hearing every blow uh, it brought you closer to the action it, it's yeah. like sitting cage side um with you know limited capacity crowd because you do get yep. that feeling you do get that sense of being immersed in the action so you I- feel cage side yeah yeah exactly but
0: yeah you feel cage side but in your home but mike we have to remember that we are obsessed with the sport we are constantly talking about it online, making we're nuts. So of course we like that no fanship, shit. But a fighter needs the the crowd, and they're showmen. Like it, I'm now that crowds are back. I'm realizing that fighters are entertainers and showmen, and they need that energy. I think it's dope.
1: Exactly. You know what? I thought would be buoyed by energy, fueled by energy, and really mm-hmm. kind of like giving him an energy rush. I thought it would be Tony Ferguson. Remember in Shots Fired, I was saying I, I'm, you know. I'm not checked out on the Tony Ferguson train. It's not necessarily a hype train because hype train would suggest that he hasn't delivered in the past. You and I know that he has. I thought that this yeah. one back to his former glory, his former greatness. You could see in the press conference, he's buoyed by the crowd. He's actually propped up by them. He's an entertainer. He's there to actually, well, I thought he was an entertainer. He He's there to, to please the crowd. Now, I don't know if I'm being too harsh. You rein me in, but what I mm-hmm. saw last night was somebody who was tentative, somebody who was flat-footed, somebody who, basically, um, may have been—I don't know—overwhelmed <sighs> by it all. I just—I'm struggling to see why we didn't see Tony uh, Ferguson of old because um. this minute. You
0: mean why you didn't see? I I called this. I don't, (laughs) I'm going to rein you in just like you asked me to. Here we go. Um, Tony Ferguson is older and he, because of his you know his age he is a shell of himself but he's wow. still game and he's still down so it's like he still fights like himself but like in slow motion it's really interesting you know what i'm saying like and on top of that i think his style requires explosiveness remember like when you're old you cannot explode anymore you, you know what i'm saying like tony's the guy that was doing roles and combat roles while getting punched in the face i just don't think his body can do it anymore and then benil is not having that issue He's he's won several fights in a row, and it's his time. And he was the better fighter that night. I was just shocked that Benil didn't go for more submissions because he's better on the ground than Tony. And I just was like, he's not really doing anything with him, but he is—he's winning this fight and he's beating the shit out of Tony, though, especially in the stand-up.
1: Again, rein me in. You know mm-hmm. me in good and good and tight, but. Do you think um, the Justin Gaethje fight had anything in terms of the difference that we saw from then onwards? Do you think Justin Gaethje took his soul? Because when he fought Oliveira, when he fought um, Dariush, it's almost as though his soul had been taken in the previous fight, as I say, with uh, Gaethje.
0: And remember, Tony was really banged up after that Justin yes. Gaethje fight. Like he was, remember, he he felt the need to post himself dancing with the IV yep. and in his hospital clothes, which to me he's was like, okay. hey, guys, I'm all right. Because yeah. a lot of us, a lot of us was like, you know, he's fucked up because he looked it and you know he's in the hospital. But he did that to comfort us or to be like, "Nah, I ain't hurt. But since we're talking about Tony and who he's fought, come on, man. Everybody's taking a piece of his soul. It just started with Justin Gaethje. I watched the Charles Oliveira fight this week and Tony and Charles fucked him up. Yeah. Like it it, it was unreal. And then, then, you know, Darius comes over and he does the same thing. I think it's indicative to Tony. Like it started with Justin, but Tony's old. And it makes me mad because when Tony was on a 10 fight win streak, young and killing everybody, that's when he should have been defending his title. I really feel that way. Like I really feel like Dana just feels like he's not marketable. He's weird and bop, 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 and just doesn't really try to market him and just let him be wasted with ten fight win streak. You know? I don't like how his career was handled, but truly love his bloodbaths and all the fights that he's had and the roles.
1: I'll never forget this man rolling in the middle of striking exchanges. Yeah, and and, and the fact is. and grit and heart i mean imagine he's having good me almost torn off your body what i saw last night it, it made me think that this is a man that is capable of digging deep whilst he may be um somewhat gun shy on the feet damn i mean he i commend him for the amount of pain that he took whilst rolling around that was oh, that yeah. was horrible to watch
0: i mean like when he fought justin it was horrible to watch him get battered there was no like submissions that had us you know crying or nothing or tony tap you know none of us but justin beat the living dog shit out of him i'm sorry tony and then charles Oliveira handed him up with that fucking armbar, even put it under his armpit tried to break tony's arm it looked horrible and then again yeah. dariush with the what was it the heel hook or the heel hook yeah Heel hook that had Tony Ferguson, one of the toughest people, screaming on the floor,
1: mm.
0: this the same knee where he had that horrific surgery and has that scar. What a but I'll tell you this, Mike. Mm. Watch Tony Ferguson fight RDA. Watch Tony Ferguson fight Kevin Lee and, and, and even Lando Venata and then watch the fights where he's losing and you'll see a distinct difference in the man. And you'll see that at it's age and that wow. What do you do with him next to Mike? my question to you, what do you do with him? You know, he's not I, retiring. Come I, on.
1: I, I seriously would kind of like think about, you know, <laughs> I seriously think about cutting him. I would say this, that I feel that he's going to get the Dana White, um, Dana White privilege because he's a fan favorite because, you know, he's got the quirky, quirky type of approach and you know people like that they they know they like tony ferguson but you think you think dana feel bad
0: when he was called out for favoritism
1: of course he felt felt bad, but it wasn't. He it raised wasn't, the bonuses. It, it was a funny diss, though, I have to say. But, you know, maybe, classic. maybe he, um, and that is Tony Ferguson, is going to be, well, I wouldn't say there's and he may be about it. He is going to be a beneficiary of Dana White's privilege because there's no way that even after three losses now that he gets cut. And that seems to be the standard. Remember there was a time three losses was the standard or, or the bar at which you were cut there are certain people who do get their Dana White privilege and I do think he's going to be one of them where he goes to next you know what I, I I'm struggling with this one maybe the UFC yeah. signed up his gym buddy you know the student whose ribs he broke maybe that he gets signed up
0: oh shit, Mike please I wasn't ready <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you head, were I don't know what you do with Tony what would you do with him
0: I um I want him to stop fighting because I think you like he doesn't get any better from here and we continue to see you know elderly Ferguson. I don't want to see it, but you know what fans are saying and I heard it in Twitter Spaces and I I have to say if you want this fight you're fucking cruel and you don't love Tony. Some people are saying give him Islam Makachev.
1: Wow, nah, nah, they they want they
0: sick? Aren't they wanna sick?
1: See, they want to see him in the pine box. Sick. Yeah, they want
0: to see him die. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like that, that would come on, man. And you know, Tony's crazy enough to take it even after these performances. He'd be like, Yeah, let's go. He, you know, and I I think he's like cowboy. He's not going out on an L like that. Tony's nuts. Yeah. You're and right. not like for real nuts, but like fighters nuts. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, we know yeah. Tony.
1: Yeah, 100, because I don't see him stop. I don't see his career in fighting stopping. But I've got to be honest with you, if I was Dana or if I was, you know, on the um, the, the, the hierarchy that is the, the UFC um, in terms of top uh, management, I'd be seriously saying to Dana, why are you having this guy around? It's clear. Just cut him. Yeah. Shadow of his former self. And to be fair, and to perform to the letter of this theory of Dana White privilege, he shouldn't be privileged. Yeah. But I, I don't see it panning out like that. I think that Tony Ferguson will be a recipient of Dana White's privilege. I, I, have, one,
0: I have one suggestion, and I mm. don't even really want to see
1: it. But to me, this is the only
0: thing you can do. Let okay. Tony Ferguson and Cowboy go back at it. Oh, come on. Call it a day. Call it a <laughs> night. Whatever. Call it a career. <laughs> like,
1: what? I mean, no, Mike. You know something? Initially. Both slow. Initially, can- I, initially I was sick in my mouth, but if, if <laughs> it rightly that will stop due to a, a a corner. Sorry, doctor stoppage. Yes. So let's let that play out. They're both slow. Okay. Both, do you I, feel me on this? Yeah, I do if, now. I do. And now you can promote it. about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Having thought about that, having seen where they both are in their careers, having seen that you know. I think these are two athletes who do need a sense of redemption in whatever they do next, because they are definitely going to be kept on by the USC. Why not let them fight? You know what? I I don't hate it.
0: You don't hate it, Mike, because you don't hate it. And it's the same reason why I did not hate Cowboy versus Diego Sanchez. All these people we talk about are fucked up and need to fight each other and go about their business. And I love all of them too. I'm he- I've watched all of their careers pan out since day one. I love them all, you know, but I don't want to see y'all die. Yeah, I de- Old people need to fight other old people. And that's <laughs> what we need to see happen here. No disrespect. I love y'all.
1: The, 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 the seniors league.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like I don't, It fans are not enjoying these beat downs of the people that we love so much or we've been following their careers mm. for so long. Yeah. You know, like even Cowboy, I can't stand all the stuff that comes with him, the racism, the corny commercials, the fact that he's fucking stinking ass rich, but tries to appeal to the working man. And then the N-word, N-word, N-word. Man, yeah. I've been watching him fight since W.E.C. before I knew all these nasty things about him. So mm-hmm. I, as someone who found out things about him and I didn't like, I still don't want to see him get thrashed this but you know these fighters are gonna they're gonna want one more fight and it's unfortunate that fabia got diego out the
1: ufc because that was the fight to make cowboy and diego like i say don't hate it but you know what i do like Uh, Mm. the emphasis of hate charles Oliveira and mike chandler now tell me about this fight talk to me
0: Mm. um g is in her everlasting glory (laughs) <laughs> Although I like both athletes. No, no, I've been, I'm have been i the person that knows about Chandler. I'm not the motherfucker that's like, oh, he don't deserve a title shot. I'm like, excuse me, it's Michael Chandler. He should have came yeah. to the UFC when Eddie Alvarez came to the UFC. That's mm. when he should have fucking came. But anyway, back to what we were saying. I like Michael Chandler, but I wanted Charles Moore to get this. I wanted him to, he deserves it too. Michael's been a fucking champ someplace else. You showed up all late and stuff like that, and I appreciate you. But Charles has been in this shit since he was 21. He debuted at such a young age, and we have watched him evolve. That's who needs to be champ. And not for nothing, Mike, even though he got dropped in the first round and it got really scary and he had that emergency takedown because he felt Chandler's power, yeah. what did he do? What did he do? He came back and, and did what he did, which means he's, he was the better fighter that night. Like He's the true champ, Mike.
1: Mm. Your heart must have been doing a couple of flutters though when you saw, you know, those hands unleashed oh. in that the like going for the takedowns.
0: I th- I couldn't speak. I was on like a private Zoom thing and I just stopped. Like it like it was like the girls weren't there. I was like, fuck that. I'm in the fight now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. my mouth was wide open. And then I just like I just was like, holy shit, Michael Chandler is gonna be the lightweight champ. And then on top of it, he's not going to shut the fuck up. And then he's are going to exploit that black child even more. Like I had those thoughts. Like I was like, it's just going to be a lot. And he's just, even though I like him as a fighter, he's so extra. And I was like, Charles has to win. You know, like we need Charles's temperament at lightweight channel was it's just too much for me.
1: What I, do you think, Mike? I've got a feeling that, you know, in Dana's eyes, he wants an English-speaking champ because from a yep. marketing point of view, that is much more easier to roll with. I think if I was a betting man, um, he was there kind of like gritted teeth when uh, you know, De Bronx uh, rocked up and did the business. I've got to admit, yes. Um there was a part of me that that thought maybe you know this will be a really good lesson to those people who feel as though um Bellators cast offs never do well in the UFC However, mm-hmm. caliber they're not on that level. But I did want to see DeBronc's uh wreck shop because really and truly he deserves it. And you know, last night proved that you know he can weather a storm and come back and come back with emphatic just yeah. Adjustments were made. Serious. Yeah, that was a mm-hmm. serious beatdown
0: oh absolutely and i'd like to add to mike mm. i'm a fan of both of them but by the time ufc spoon fed me michael chandler over and over again from the fucking countdown to the embedded, i really was like man i i kind of want charles to win like this is disrespectful Whoa. that they're Whoa. not even like Whoa. focusing on him Whoa,
1: pause you forgot black history month <laughs> oh. <laughs> michael I still have trauma from that shit
0: But yo <laughs> it, I mean the and then like yeah Then you know the kid was in the um, I'm like whispering like it's a bad thing <laughs> You know the kid was in the embedded And then it just was the Michael Chandler show And even as someone who was like a fan of his I was like UFC this is too much mm. And they kind of ruined it So that's why I'm kind of glad that Charles won as well Like I wasn't ready for the Michael Chandler
1: era I just wasn't But what this does show though is that Look what he's capable of. I mean, that first round that was incredible. And incredible he's a beast. Absolutely. Yeah. Phenomenal.
0: You, Mike, you never saw me complain about Michael Chandler getting a title shot after one win. Why? Because I watched him in other organizations. I incredible. knew. Yeah. I did I said that, but what did I always say about Chandler? He I don't think he'll ever be. A champion in the ufc but he's gonna run around and bang with the with the best and he's gonna put up a good fight he's gonna lose some he's gonna win some i mean did you did you not love his performance last night did you not love his performance against hooker
1: beautiful love them both do you really? know that's
0: just how we fight?
1: Well, yeah
0: yeah do you know that's his style of fight That's Mm. him every time. That's why Pitbull clipped him. He came at Pitbull all up in his face. Pitbull was like, sit down, hit him. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like some people don't allow Michael Chandler to bully them. And then there's some people like Hooker that are like, what the fuck? I'm getting out of here and get clipped. Yeah. And the way Charles Oliveira responded to that, Was just brilliant. And not only was it brilliant, Mike, there were times in the past where Charles Oliveira wilted like a flower. There are times we have seen him mentally break and he no longer does that anymore. Like, I think we can stop bringing that up right now. (laughs) I'm like officially want to say, like, Charles Oliveira doesn't break anymore. It's
1: official. (laughs) Well, that wraps up our recap of what happened at UFC 262. As usual, you can um, connect with us on Twitter, especially Spaces with G, who has them more regularly than me, by following us on Twitter. I'm at Mike TV. How can people connect with you, not only on Twitter, but on Twitter Spaces, G?
0: Oh, I'm just at just Gina MMA, and I'm probably going to do like a prelim Spaces and quite possibly a post. You know spaces so we can cluck about you know the fight and the outcomes but we shall
1: see but join well before then we will be back midweek with shots fired of chisanga and kairos yes until then stay safe thanks